ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. We, we had some pretty good athletes. I wasn't a bad athlete. My brothers weren't, but all the real athletes in this family are women. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, you got it. You got it. any rate. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Help us push back against the rapid, unscheduled disassembly of America. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right at this moment. Don't wait till I say something stupid and then you want to dislike it. Just like it right now. Subscribe to the channel as well. Hit the bell for notifications. We appreciate it. Glenn Beck is going to be here to tell us why all the Democrats are so pro-war all of a sudden. Where'd that come from? The 2024 presidential election is about to get two more Republican candidates. Yeah! Are you running? I bet you are. Just odds are you're in the race. But we'll tell you who the new two are that are uh, announcing uh, today. And we announce, of course, our show today. We're going to do Biden's forgiveness fail. You know, a lot of people have been talking about the debt ceiling thing all week. And we've done a couple shows on it. But honestly, the back and forth is a little bit boring. I thought for some little adjustment to the plan today, we could dive into one particular aspect of the debt ceiling bill, which is advancing now through Congress and will likely eventually uh, get through here in the next few days. Um, the White House and the GOP both claiming victory here. Yes, the White House GOP both claim victory on the student loans in the debt limit bill. Now, one thing you can always know, a lot of people say, well, if the Democrats and the Republicans are both taking credit for a victory here, you know, one of them has to be lying. And the, the truth is, no, that's not accurate at all. The truth is, when they both claim victory, you're the one that's losing. That's what always happens. When they're both saying, yay, look at the great job we did, bipartisanship, or we're just both doing wonderful things, you're usually the one getting screwed. And that's kind of the case here. Let's go into this, uh, what the debt ceiling deal means for student loan payments. The legislation would prevent President Biden from issuing another last minute extension. Here's the quote. Legislation to raise the debt ceiling and cut spending includes a provision that would require borrowers to begin repaying their loans again by the end of the summer after a year long, years long pause imposed during the coronavirus pandemic. What a crazy request. Can you imagine the unmitigated gall to actually ask people to pay their loans? What kind of crazy nation do we live in? I mean, sure, the pandemic's been over for a while, but can we possibly request people actually pay back their loans? That sounds predatory to me. That sounds predatory to me, boys and girls. You might say, wait a minute, if you're not in college or you don't have kids who are in college, well, we, people just weren't, didn't have to pay back their loans. How does that work? Well, it's true. And in fact, it started on March 20th, 2020. Uh, Trump allows borrowers to suspend student loan payments for two months in March 2020. It was two months. Now, I would argue that that's a pretty defensible policy back in March 2020. A few weeks for the world to understand what the hell's going on here with the coronavirus stuff. Make sure we can kind of get through it, understand what we're doing here. Maybe people come back to work a little bit and, you know, a couple month break. OK, I don't know why the government really has the power 
to do that, but okay, we'll, 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 I mean, it was weird time, maybe, question mark, okay. So Donald Trump put it in uh, for two months, no big deal. You remember the old uh, six weeks to stop the spread thing. Well, this has happened with student loans. In fact, it's been even worse with student loans. So after, the, that was a two month, in, starting in March, 2020, then in August of 2020, he extended it again, this time until December 31st, 2020. Okay, well, that's number two. And of course, December 31st, 2020, they wanted to extend it past the election because we can't be debating these things during an election period. That might have people focusing on policy that might matter. Instead, let's push it past the presidential election. So not at all. It could be an issue whatsoever in the actual election. Okay. well, then Joe Biden came in and guess what happened? Joe Biden then extended it again on his first day in office through September 30th, 2021. So that's if you're keeping track at home. Number three, number three. How about number four on August 6th, 2021? Biden again extended this to January 31st, 2022. So now we're all the way to the end, almost two years of not having to pay your college loans back. Just a moratorium. No loans necessary, no payments necessary for any of your student loans all the way to the end of 22, far past the, the point where we had any questions on the pandemic anymore. At this point, the vaccines are all out. Pretty much everybody on Earth has had COVID. So we're way past that. But of course, that wasn't enough as uh, in December 22nd, 2021, Biden again extended to May 20. May 1st, 2022. I don't know. Maybe I have these out of order. January 3rd. Yeah. OK, so May 1st, 20. 22. Another extension. The reason I'm confused here is because he extended it before the other one even ended. So he's now extended it once again. And then he said, okay, this is enough. This is getting a little bit crazy here. What do we have? Five extensions? Come on. This is crazy. So on August 24th, 2022, he extended it again. This time to December 31st, 2022. Now, this time he did say it was a final. The final time he was going to do it. He wasn't going to do it again. This is crazy. You know, 2022, the end of 2022, of course, this is over until, of course, he did it again on November 22nd, 2022. He extended it to June 30th, 2023. And that was the final, 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 final that this debt limit bill apparently reportedly will see is supposed to kill any more attempts at another extension. And people, yes, it may even be you. You may have to pay your bills again. I mean, it's only been three years. Who could possibly be expected to pay their bills over three years? Now, of course, one of the expectations here, there's a lot of them, was going to be a relief on people. They could maybe pay down the balances. A lot of good things could happen here. But what doesn't ever seem to happen is that people actually stop and think about whether the policy actually worked. Have you heard any discussion? I've heard there's an effort to end it, but... When it was in place, did it actually do anything positive? Did it actually work? We never stop and ask those questions anymore. We put the policy in, we all argue about it, it ends, and then we move on to the next thing. Well, we, maybe we should look back and say, hey guys, did that policy actually work? There's a study out now from the Becker Friedman Institute that looks at this, debt moratoria, evidence from student loan forbearance, and with a sexy title, like that. I mean, look at this. Look at these pages and look at this. I mean, it's almost 
pornographic, isn't it? Look at how sexy those documents look. Oh, yeah. Debt moratoria evidence from student loan forbearance. I am pissed off because I was going to launch a website called debt moratoria evidence from student loan forbearance.com. And now the, the title has been taken. And it would be obvious that I was uh, copying uh, the formula for success. Yes, it's clickbaity, I know. But maybe we should actually look at things like this. Maybe we should look at these studies and learn from them. What do they actually say? What did the policy actually accomplish? Let's look. Additional liquidity from not making student loan payments did not have effects on the ability to pay other pre-existing loans during the two years of payment pauses. Thus, additional liquidity was not important in preserving financial stability arising from loan defaults. So you said to everybody, hey, you don't have to pay your student loan payments. You'd think they'd be able to make all of their other bill payments, right? Because they all of a sudden didn't have to make the student loan payments. But no, no, there was no effect on that whatsoever. The extra money they had didn't go to these other loan payments. Interesting. There's a sharp drop in student loan delinquencies following the payment moratorium. Well, of course, existing defaults were cured and individuals with no payments due are unable to become delinquent. That's pretty obvious. For other loan types, however, which did not see payment pauses like mortgage, auto and revolving debt, we see no change in delinquencies. No change. All of this money not being paid to the government. All this money not being paid back to loans. All of that. No difference. Three years. No difference. Following the student loan payment pause, for all types of credit, payments, and balances, increase. Payments and balances increase. Even though we weren't requiring student loan payments, the balances increased. By the end of the sample period, individuals with a student loan payment pause owed an additional $1,800 in other debt. About 20 bucks a month. Most of the increase in debt is driven by mortgage payments, which tend to be longer maturity, and revolving debt. Revolving debt. Huh. Revolving debt. What could that be about? We find that the payment pause on these student loans had a large effect on immediate consumption. People weren't saving their money for the rainy day. They weren't paying down their student loan balances with no interest and no payments needed. They weren't paying down their other debt. It had a large effect on immediate consumption. We find that the student debt payment moratorium led to higher levels of overall leverage, not only through borrowers not paying down student loan debt balances, but also through the accumulation of other types of household debt. I mean, so people who were in this issue complaining about how much debt they had, instead of using this time to pay down some of this other debt, instead just kept buying crap and increasing their debt anyway. By the end of the sample period, student debt borrowers have about 5% more household debt, driven roughly by half student and half non-student debt. Perhaps paradoxically, temporary student debt relief leads to higher overall household debt levels and larger future 
debt burdens. By pausing these payments, we've screwed all of these people, and now they owe even more money after all this comes down. And, and when these loan payments start picking up again, what's going to happen? They've now been taking out more loans in the, in the time period and filling up uh, all of their bills, and now they're going to get even more bills in the form of student loan payments returning. How's that going to be for the economy? We find that relative to borrowers who had to continue paying their loans, borrowers who had a pause in their payments sharply increased mortgage, auto, and credit card borrowing. We find little effect on loan delinquencies. The effects appear driven by increased credit demand and ability to service loans as opposed to a credit supply effect. One of the things they talk about in the study, I won't get you uh, too much into it, but the credit supply effect is basically, well, people didn't have to make these loan payments, so their credit scores got higher, and in theory, they could have taken out even more. But no, that wasn't really what happened here. They just started buying more crap on credit cards and buying cars. That's great. I'm glad we've subsidized this sort of activity. Here's the uh, final uh, statement and the summary. The results indicate that debt payment pauses can increase consumption in the short term, but that overall debt increases as borrowers used increase liquidity to service new debt. We, this is how bad we are as a government. We have paused all of these payments. And the end of the day, what we have are people buying more crap on their credit cards, more cars, bigger houses. They just took the money they were saving and bought other crap with it, and they still wound up putting it on their credit card. That is what happened. This policy was a complete and utter catastrophe, despite the fact that it also was probably unconstitutional, certainly after the first few months or so. It created all sorts of terrible incentives, and those incentives played out in people going to buy televisions and PlayStations and cars and all sorts of other fun stuff on the backs of you who wound up loading their money to go to college in the first place so they can spend their money on PlayStations. That's your country, boys and girls. This is how this apparently works. The debt moratorium was a failure, a long-term catastrophic failure. It did nothing, nothing that was actually positive other than make people feel a hell of a lot better that they didn't have to pay their bills. Well, that's always going to be the problem. You can do that with any bill. That's not going to solve the country's problems. That's only making them worse. And now people are coming out of this period where we're facing a potential recession in the near future. And now all these payments are going to start up again. Are they going to be prepared to pay them? Do you think so? Are you going to pay your student loan payment? Or are you going to go and pay the PlayStation credit card back? This is the problem with narrative-based legislation. We can have policies that are judged on the fact of whether they work or whether they don't. That's a smart way to run a country. Maybe some principles thrown in there from time to time. I don't know. Maybe we look at the Constitution and say, hey, how does this, uh, this bill dealt with in the Constitution? All those approaches have been tossed off to the side. And instead, we think about, like, what are people tweeting about, though? What is AOC whining about in her Instagram Live? 
Maybe we should address that problem. Maybe that should be the focus of our policymaking. And over and over and over again, we go ask Bernie Sanders at, at his vacation home what he thinks we should do, and then we just do it. We don't even pass bills to do it. We just do it over and over and over and over and over again. A lot of times through executive power based on narratives. And then when that narrative is over, guess what? Lucky you, a new narrative is around. A new problem we have to solve. And the government gets to come in and do it over and over again. And people don't look back at the old policy, the old narrative, to see if that thing actually worked. Well, we've now looked at the study in depth, and I guarantee you now know more about how that policy worked than anyone who voted for it, anyone who supported it in Washington. You now know more than all of them because they don't care if it worked. It's not central to their job if it worked or not. Did it get them through the week? Did it get them through the day? Did their polls survive? Were they reelected? Those are the things that matter to so many of these people. Not all of them, but so many of them. I'm sure someone in Washington has looked at this study to see how this policy worked out. But you know what? Not a lot of people have. Not a lot. Instead of looking back and judging how these policies worked based on their results, they move on to the next narrative, and we're all supposed to just swallow whatever that is. What we need are people in Washington who will do not the popular thing, but the unpopular thing if it's right, focusing on something that's actually correct, that could actually work for people, giving people more freedom, more control of their money, rather than passing nonsensical uh, band-aids to plaster over every little problem as it points up. And look, the COVID thing was not a little problem. I understand why some of these policies were enacted initially. But when we're extending this bill in late 2022, I think it's pretty darn clear that none of this matters. It has nothing to do with COVID. It had nothing to do with an emergency. It had to do with giveaways to people so they could get themselves through an election period. And now, as we sit here on the precipice of a primary season and the next election isn't really till 2024, now they can do the actual work of acknowledging privately that none of this works and we have to reverse it immediately. Well, guess what? At the end of the month, apparently, you're going to be paying your student loans back again. That's going to be a heck of an interesting thing to watch in the economy because the government has not prepared people for it. They just kept telling them, ah, don't worry about it. We'll kick it down the road a little bit farther. Well, eventually this is going to come back and you're going to get down to the end of the road. There's a dead end there and eventually you bump into the brick wall that it winds up slapping you right in the face as you go over the curb at the end of it. Well, the wonderful people at GenuCell have upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum plus ultra-retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative. That is a freaking mouthful, i got to be honest with you. Uh, but it's a great product, and people love it. Right now, you can take advantage of this limited-time package upgrade for 70% off. You don't need to go get work done onto your face. Just use GenuCell. It's going to help make you look better, and it's the best in skincare. It's good for your skin. GenuCell's secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women. It's a great gift as well. It's made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. Go to GenuCell.com stew. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package, featuring both the GenuCell Ultra Retinol and 
GenuCell Firming Serum. Don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash stew. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order. Plus, free upgrade to priority shipping. It's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. GenuCell.com slash stew. I'm joined now by Glenn Beck. He has a brand new special coming up tonight, uh, right after this program at 9 p.m. Eastern. It is the real reason Democrats are all in on the Ukraine war. Be sure to stay tuned. Uh, hi, Glenn. How's it going? Hello. Good. Uh, I will say the whole Democrats in favor of war thing has Crazy. been a little wild. And I think that's one of the reasons why RFK Jr. is doing so well in the primary. There's a lot yeah. of Democratic voters who are saying, wait, we're supposed to be against this stuff. I know. And it's the first time that I've seen Democratic voters actually go, wait, aren't we on the other side? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at least on our side, when we switch, there's pretty good reason, at least lately. It's like, Hey, love the FBI. You're spying on people, arresting people, ignoring other crimes. I'm not for the FBI. Mm -hmm. This one um, just shows you how the Democrats have become big business. It's all about business. Um, it's the military and educational industrial complex that um, Eisenhower warned about. Yeah, it's interesting. That is another one because we've seen a flip on Russia. Mm -hmm. From the left, we've also seen a flip on war, and I think we've seen a flip on corporations. Oh, big time. They are the corporate behemoths now. Yeah, I mean, you see this even coming into, like, the pride uh, stuff. Like, all of a sudden, left the left is constantly on the side defending corporations against mm -hmm. people who don't want something going on in their store. What's going on? What is happening? So, um, I think... Um, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were talking to me about judges, and they said... Um, the conservative judges are, have not caught up yet. They haven't caught up yet. They still are ruling, let's say, just for big business. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're just so knee-jerk on, well, it's probably... And they're not focused yet mm -hmm. on what's happened. And I think there's a lot of people like that. that they, they're not focusing on, wait a minute, the entire landscape has changed. When it comes to war, well, I'll show you the numbers tonight. What we are spending is ungodly, ungodly sums of, of money. And what are we getting for it? I mean, we still, we still are depleting the strategic oil reserve, mm -hmm. lowest ever. When are we going to fill that thing up? Um, but we are, man, we are spending money on arms. And what are, what's, seriously, what are the results we're getting? I guess the results would be we're slowing Russia down. Like, it doesn't seem like Ukraine's winning, right? You would say you just, they're slowing down the advance? I don't know. I mean, with the drone attack that happened yesterday, with um, now um, Ukraine saying they're going to start going in and occupying, you know, Russian towns right on the border, that... You know, that, that's war. That, that's war. That's no longer, hey, you took our stuff. Now we're coming after you. Um, it's going to get bad, and we are itching to be a part of the war. What's the right stance for, we've got to, we're going into a primary here, and this is one of the questions that I think DeSantis has taken some uh, uh, criticism on. His, yeah, his he answers. hasn't been real good on it. He right. hasn't been real clear. Yeah. Now, Trump seems to basically say, well, if I were there, this wouldn't happen, which is maybe true. And I think, Trump, also I think Trump does have the ability to go, 
No. <laughs> and I think it would happen. It might work. It might work. Even him. you think, I mean, I don't, look, Vladimir Putin is not reversing. I think you're right. He, he may have stopped it before it started. I don't know that Vladimir Putin's going to stop because Trump gets in office. Cause, I, mean, I think there's a deal to be brokered. We'll show you tonight. There was a deal being brokered. Mm. Okay, Russia came and said, we want to broker this deal. And we said, don't do it. Don't do it. Because I, look, I, I have some sympathy for Ukraine's position here. Me too. Uh, in, in, a, in a pretty significant way. I think that they were attacked unfairly, and I don't like it. Uh, but again, I'm not in Ukraine. I'm not Ukraine's government. It's not our job to fight every war for Ukraine or anybody else. And so a deal, even if it's not the greatest deal for Ukraine, is something I would be very interested in. I can understand the Ukrainian citizens saying, no, we want all of it back. I get that. And they're, they're free to fight for that. But we don't have to support Let's say this. Of that Let's battle. say this. How would we react? Uh, the United States, uh, we decide that we're going to go take land from Mexico because it's very dangerous. They won't clean this up. Mm -hmm. We got to protect our borders. So we just go in and we just take whole swath yeah, 100 miles strip across the strip country. across yeah. strip across the border yeah. okay and we just claim it's ours russia reaches out to mexico and says hey you want some help and uh they start arming mm -hmm. mexico and they start then saying oh by the way we're going a, we're gonna not just take our land back we're coming for houston how do you think we would react? Poorly. We yeah. would react poorly to Poorly. That. Yeah. How do you think we would view Russia sending all of their most advanced weapons, which I think is a slingshot, but <laughs> what would we say? What would we do? We would be essentially at war with Russia. Exactly right. Why would we expect it to be different for Vladimir Putin? And I think, too, you in that scenario, you could make the very fair argument that we were kind of the problem at the beginning of that. We mm -hmm. shouldn't have taken the 100-mile strip of land across the country. However, that's been done. Now where are we? If an outside force is trying to get in the middle of that battle, well... It's not even about. If we would look at that and say, they know we're weak. They know they're, we're weak, and they're trying to collapse us. Okay, And if Vladimir Putin was dumb enough to say what our president has said, yep, we want regime change. We want to collapse the whole country. I mean, how you cannot see this from the Russian point of view, not to sympathize with them, right. but just to understand they're not going to give up. They're, they are going to engage. The more we escalate, the more likely it is for them to engage. And I honestly think this is this administration or somebody uh, believes that this is the essential tripwire to finally bring America to its knees. And I believe it would. I believe it would. Mm, that's scary. Um, let me change uh, direction here from you know war war to culture war. We have tomorrow start of Pride Month. Did you get your tree yet? Are you all? Oh my know. gosh! What are you saying? We should hang people? No, oh I'm gosh, saying the celebration tree. Do you a hear this, America? Tree of celebration. Yeah, a glittery tree. No, I have my my ark, and I've put. <laughs> yeah. The homosexuals, the lesbians, uh, the G's, the, the B's, the T's. Yeah, the transgender, two by two, I've loaded them in the ark. 
and we're and we're looking for that rainbow. Oh, that's I very promise. nice. Yeah. What is the right response for conservatives? Are we doing this right for once? Finally, are we are we pushing back against this? All of these woke things going on in these stores and. And all across culture, are we pushing back the right way? How does this, how is this working? I think so. Um, uh, you know, we had James Lindsay on radio today, and um, he's addressing exactly what I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. And that is, where is, man, your show is boring. Um, uh, <laughs> he's addressing, where's the Martin Luther King? Where's somebody saying, let's be strategic here. Um, They are intentionally trying to piss us off. They've been trying for 20 years, and we have, except for January 6th, been completely restrained. They're blaming us for everything, and they're going to come after Christianity. They've got to dismantle the churches, because that's the only thing. Are you going to stand for lower taxes? Are you going to be like, I am going to fight to the death for lower taxes? I do say that with a repeal of the 16th Amendment mug sitting in front of me, but the mug, I feel like, is the... Is the level That's about as far as protest, you're going to go. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> when it comes to your children, when it comes to your faith, yeah. you'll fight. There are lines. Yeah, there are lines. And so they're pushing and pushing and pushing, and they've got to destroy. They're destroying the family, breaking us apart. I don't know what it's like with your kids because they're behind mine, uh, but my kids struggled mightily through high school with all of this stuff. Um, so they're destroying the family, and now they have to destroy the church. Once you do that, then it, they can run roughshod over the entire country. So there's a movement on this Christian nationalism front from the left to make all Christians evil Christian nationalists. And that's where we have to be careful on the transgender thing. It's, look, live your life the way you want. Leave my kids out of it, okay? Don't, don't push it on my kids. Um, and I'm sorry, but binding a woman's breasts is wrong. We, can you imagine uh, th- what people would say if Christians said, we just think it's right to bind the breasts? Well, it would be Handmaid's Tale. They it would be Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale. tale. Yeah. It is Handmaid's Tale. What they're doing to women is Handmaid's Tale. We just have to be really, really clear about all of it and, and Christ-like. I, yeah, I'm not going to sit down. I won't sit down. But I'm not going to throw the first punch. Not going to. Do, what, how do you deal with someone, let's say, in your friend circle or in your family that is out there doing the opposite, right? They're pushing for Target. They're pushing for Bud Light. They want, they, they're pushing back against, do you get in a, in a debate with them? Do you ignore them? Do you just mute their feed for a while? What do you do? Because I think a lot of people are going through this on a day-to-day basis. I just think I would ask my friends, when did you become a fan of binding someone's breasts? This is how you're, how, because you're so fun at parties. This is why yeah. people always invite you. Right. Uh, when, when did you start to believe that a stripper pole in a third grade with a drag queen 
was healthy for children. And they will say, of course, I don't believe that. Of course not. You're being ridiculous. I'm not being ridiculous. That's different. Look, how is, what different? That's not, that's not a... Well, that's a, what I'm protesting. I've never had a problem with transgender people. They live however they want to live. I live in America. Live however you want. But the reason why is because this is being sold as healthy behavior, okay, to third graders. It's not healthy. It's not good for kids. That's my problem. Would I have a problem if they had, uh, I mean, we used to live in a society where porn, you'd have to go through the beads into the back room to get the videos, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm not even saying that we should go back to that, although it wouldn't be bad. Um, what I'm saying is, why are you making transgender t-shirts for children, babies? You're making swimsuits that look like women's swimsuits that have a tucket pocket in it. When, when did you decide this was okay? Because this is, you know, remember you were the one that said to me that they're not gonna, that's a slippery slope argument. Right. That's not gonna happen. Again, can we agree yet that pedophilia is wrong? Are you already on that bandwagon? Can we draw that line at least now? Yeah. Is that or are we already past it? I know, I will say. This is the, the, the past few years has been the ultimate victory of the slippery slope argument. It is. It has defeated all it comers uh, the past couple of years. It is. Come back, the new special is the real reason Democrats are all in on the Ukraine war. Speaking of a slippery slope, by the way. The Ukraine War uh, is coming up 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, make sure to stay tuned to that. As always, watch on Blaze TV. It's blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. You'll save 10 bucks. Glenn, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, Glenn Beck once started a company. Uh, a few years ago. It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. It's the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your area. If you're moving across the country, so many people have. Uh, you know, how many people have we talked to that have moved from places like California, New York, to somewhere, I don't know, sane, like Florida or Texas? When that's happened, you go to a new area, who's the real estate agent you're using? When you're selling your home, uh, are you using someone that you just kind of know? or that might be a friend of a friend of a friend, or using the best agent in your area. Make a decision that really is impactful when it comes to your financial future. Get the best real estate agent you can find. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. You can provide some basic info, and the team will contact you to make an introduction to the preferred agent in your town. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's free to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, 85% of Americans are now running for president. Congratulations if you happen to be one of them. We have two new people in the Republican uh, primary for uh, this uh, particular nomination, and this is going to be uh, an interesting race uh, for sure. Two candidates are getting in. Both of them were expected. We start with Chris Christie. Yeah, remember him. Last seen as a beached whale. In New Jersey, uh, kind of sitting there sadly in a beach chair by himself as he blew up uh, his career for like the 18th time. Uh, he is running. He's 60 years old. He is supposed to announce his nomination next week, uh, his, his uh, candidacy next week. Um, now, the interesting thing about Christie is basically no one expects him to have any chance of actually winning the nomination. I don't even think he does. What, what people are expecting is he gets in there and he yells at Donald Trump a lot. What usually winds up happening with Chris Christie is he yells at all the other candidates a lot more. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Christie is somewhat decent at arguing in debates sort of situations. 
It's unclear whether he'll ever have polls high enough to qualify for a debate, of course, this time. We will see. Uh, but if he gets on stage with uh, other candidates, he's usually pretty good at, you know, debating back and forth. He's a pretty fast talker. And, you know, part of the thing here is he wants to kind of regain his liberal street cred after supporting Donald Trump in 2016 because he wanted to get a role in the administration. He wound up getting frozen out eventually uh, from that role and having a split with Trump. Now he goes on MSNBC all the time and, and, and complains about him. But this will give him additional street cred. He'll get lots of media appearances out of it if he's uh, critical of Trump, of course. So that's really the plan here. I don't think anybody expects him uh, to make a real run. But it wouldn't be shocking if he had a big moment or two, as uh, he did with Marco Rubio back in, uh, I guess that was 20. Uh, 16. The other guy uh, who is going to announce June 7th, that's also next week, former Vice President Mike Pence. Again, very much expected. He will get in the race. There is, I don't think, very much passion for Mike Pence, though I will say he typically is third in most polls of the GOP primary. You have, of course, Trump one, you have DeSantis two, and you have usually Pence three, mid to high single digits, uh, way back from the other two. I mean, if you're Mike Pence, what else is he going to do with your time? Honestly, it's probably makes sense for you to go. He obviously does have a lot of insight as to what actually went on in the Trump administration. He was there for a lot of it. Uh, he can be critical of Trump in maybe a way that has some credibility with certain voters. He could say, look, I get, I'll give you all the Trump policies, but I'll be calm and respectful and Mike Pencean. I just don't think there's a lot of passion for that right now in the uh, Republican primary electorate. We will see if that works at all. But now I don't know how many we have. We need to make a graphic as to how many we have. We're getting close to 10, if we're not at 10 already. We did a uh, little rundown. I think we came up with 17 that were likely to be in the race. Uh, and who knows? It could go up from there. But uh, two, new in, uh, two new ones in. It's uh, Chris Christie and Mike Pence. Everybody celebrate. Big tech and big data have shown us time after time they're not on our side. They're snooping around your personal lives 24-7 through your phone. And even when your phone is off, microphones and cameras, location trackers, they still work. What do you do about that? That's just the tech people. What about your personal security when it comes to some crazy ex or you know someone trying to stalk you or blackmail you? It happens more than you might think, and it's pretty scary. Uh, that's why you got to use the Refuge Ghost Sleeve. I've got mine right here, Refuge Ghost Sleeve right here. Now, it's a nice, an attractive package, as you might see. Uh, it's a nice leather-bound uh, situation. And, you know, you put it inside. It's a Faraday uh, sleeve. It blocks, uh, you know, everything, really, signal, sound. Um, you can use it for a bunch of different things. It certainly will protect you from people snooping on you and the signals that come out of your phone. But also, it will protect you from people trying to record your calls. If you want to, uh, if you're having a business meeting, if you're having some high-level meeting, you don't want people recording it. You want to be sure. You want to make the person on the other side of the table comfortable. You come out with your ghost sleep. You put the phone right in there. Maybe you buy a couple of them so you can both put your phones in there. So you know no one's recording. It blocks all the sound. RefugePrivacy.com is the place to go to get this. Use the code STU. It'll save you 10% on the order. RefugePrivacy.com. The promo code is STU. You'll save 10% now at RefugePrivacy.com. Code is STU. And now the segment with the most revolting title we could imagine. Here's another edition of STU Does the Ladies of the View.
When you read books like uh, a book that came out a long time ago about she owned owned property as well, meaning white women owned slaves as well. Um, I, I think that women, white women in particular, want to protect this patriarchy here because oh. it's to their benefit. Yeah. They want to make sure that their husbands do well. They want to make sure that their sons do well. They want to make sure that their children do well. Mm, and they want to make sure that they do well. Most of the women in some of these studies are married white women, and they do fall in line with what their husbands are doing, what their, how what their husbands are the voting. White women are mindless automatrons that just follow their husbands. That's not sexist at all. And it's certainly not racist to generalize white women, right? That's not racist at all. They just want to make sure the patriarchy continues because the, and I mean, you heard the devastating charge there. They want their husbands and their sons to do well. What a bunch of jerks. If you're a white woman out there, do you really, are you like that? Do you want your son or your husband or your children to do well, you bastard? Well, there you go. Sonny Hostin, again, where does she come from? I don't know, I've never heard of her uh, until we played clips of her on The View. I don't know where she came from, but I will say she does exist and is on The View and she's defending Kamala Harris? She will fairly or unfairly be the most scrutinized vice president in history because she's running with the oldest vice or the oldest president running for president. And in she's history. also a black woman. But I oh, think you have to be able gosh, to fairly critique the, the vice there. president of the United States mm-hmm. without just saying it's the color of their skin or the fact she's a woman. But it, but it is part of it. Why, what no, makes not, you say that? Well, we're in the United States of America. Oh, good, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to see that that's that's the complete. Uh, in total amount of the criticism. We're just the United States of America, therefore we're racist. Uh, I, I, I've never, it's amazing. The people who complain about racism are the people that are obsessed with it. That is the bottom line here. Uh, and it happens over and over and over again. Let me give you one more about Kamala. She has this tendency, um, they call it the word salad, but where she starts to almost, I don't know if she's going off script and, and ad-libbing or, or improving. and if that's the case, she needs to stay on script. If it's her speechwriter, they need to change yeah. the speechwriter, because when you're two years in, they need to protect her more. Yeah, if she's reading a prompter, they need to immediately fix well, that. Well, you are the vice president of the United States. The administration and the president are responsible for protecting her. Well, I would, so that, I, would, I would add that as a lawyer, you're generally told when you're speaking that you you speak in threes because that's what people remember so if you're going to talk about a car you talk about the car the red car the fast red car so i think what you but just you don't saw use the definition was, in the the word in the definition you oh you do i mean this we need more clips of her she could be the dumbest person in america <laughs> this is fascinating where does this person come from she this this could be this the dumbest person in america and i thought joy behar already had that title so i'm fascinated to see how they're doubling down on the view when it comes to idiotic stupidity it's been far too long but it's time for another edition of idiots gluing themselves two things Yes, it's happened again. A trans activist has glued themselves to the floor during a university protest. This happened at Oxford this week. Uh, And the most important part of this, I think, is first of all, the gluing themselves to the floor thing rarely works. For some reason, the glue they're using doesn't seem to stick to things, which would be a basic function of glue, but doesn't seem to work very well. They were removed almost immediately. But better than that, 
is they, because these people are idiots and they're gluing themselves to things, the idiot part takes over at times and they glued themselves to the floor behind a table. So they had a shirt that said, uh, no more dead trans kids, but the table blocked it. So all the photos just have her wearing a picture that say dead trans kids. That's, that's a fantastic story. This is why we need more editions of idiots gluing themselves to things. If you have an idiot in your life that's glued themselves to something, make sure to send it in to us and we'll do another one.